grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and from the Holy Spirit. Amen. Again, happy Mother's Day. Uh, if you'll indulge me for just a moment, my own mom watches online every week, so I want to wish her a happy Mother's Day. Uh, my mom, who was equal parts coach and counselor, uh, chauffeur, certainly a lot of times, occasionally cook. Uh, she did a lot of things in my life. Uh, so happy Mother's Day, Mom, and happy Mother's Day to all of you as well. Uh, and that kind of goes, I know that Mother's Day can be a difficult time for some. Uh, and so I pray that God is with you and that you're able to honor those in your life who kind of filled that mother role. Maybe that's a, a grandma or an aunt, or maybe it's a single dad who's kind of having to fill both sides of things. Um, take some time. Give them a call today uh, if you're able to, to be with them. That's great. Uh, if, you're, if your mother has passed on, say a prayer to God, a prayer of thanksgiving that, that God provided that person in your life. With that being said, let's go to God in prayer right now. Lord God, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for this chance that we can come together and worship you, whether here in this room or joining online. We thank you for that technology that we're able to do that. Lord, I thank you for share, the chance to share your message, uh, your word, and I pray that it is your word, that it's not my word, that it's not about me or from me. Lord, I trust in you. Uh, I submit myself to you, and I pray that all who hear this would be willing to do the same, to submit ourselves to your Holy Spirit, to be at work in a real and powerful way. Lord, we ask you to speak here now. In your name we pray. Amen. Now, in this particular service, in our late service, it's a little harder to see, but in our early service, we have three readings, four if you include our psalm. And all three of those readings today, plus our psalm, all had the same thing in common. And you may have noticed uh, just a couple little verses within our Revelation reading earlier and then our Gospel reading, but all of those verses or all those readings had to do with shepherds. This is traditionally called Shepherd Sunday. Our psalm that we covered today was Psalm 23. Uh, and so it really, it's driving home this idea of shepherds. In our Revelation reading that you heard just moments ago, it talks about how, how the great tribe of people, uh, the, essentially the followers of God, how they were wearing white robes, right? Uh, after having washed in the blood of the lamb. And that's, of course, a reference to the sacrificial lamb uh, that is obviously closely tied with shepherds. The idea that Jesus, as that lamb, as that sacrifice, somehow makes us clean, somehow gives us that, that righteousness through him. The Acts reading that you guys didn't get to hear uh, talks about the wolves that you may encounter. The, it's an, imploring the people to, to be on the lookout of wolves in the midst of the flock. And I've got to be honest, when I look at our world today, there are wolves in the midst of the church. Wolves, the predators that would want nothing more than to take advantage and manipulate our compassion and our empathy uh, and, and twist that, to twist the gospel to meet their selfish needs. So my encouragement to you is always go back to Scripture. Don't just take somebody, don't take my word at face value. Go back to Scripture. God provided us with his word that we can consult, we can read, we can weigh and see how true something is. Don't just believe it because you saw a talking head on TV say it, right? And then, our, our, so we have our Acts reading, we have our Revelation reading, our Gospel reading today from the Gospel of John, talked about how Jesus speaks and his sheep hear and know his voice. 
Uh, it was so, it's such a beautiful image that we know intimately our God, that we, we can hear his voice. I'm reminded, this is going to sound like a trite example, but I'm a big hockey fan. And hockey as a sport is so fast and fluid that oftentimes players will just like make a noise and then their teammate knows that they're there, right? That they're open. And I always wonder like, if I was on the other team, I'd just make the noise. Like I would, but I guess because they're teammates, they recognize like, oh, that's my buddy. Here you go, bud. Um, it's that, that knowledge, you know my voice. But I got to thinking, right? Because when it comes to shepherds, there are a lot of different angles that you can take when it comes to a sermon that involves shepherds. Um, you could talk about how they care for their flock, how they protect their flock. You could talk uh, about how sheep aren't terribly intelligent on their own and how we are like those sheep. But if you know me, you know that I love perspective. I love looking at the Bible, looking at the stories that we're often very familiar with and that we sometimes overlook that these are people, right? With, with emotions and tensions and conflict, and, and all these things that they go through. And so I really want to kind of find ourselves in the feet of the shepherds, the sandals, I guess you would say, of the shepherds. Because there may be more to shepherds that we resonate with than perhaps we ever thought about. Because when you look at scripture, they, it talks about shepherds constantly. You almost wonder, like, what's the obsession with shepherds here, right? There were other professions. There were other jobs. Jesus was a carpenter. We don't see a lot of references to carpenters. There were other kinds of farmers. And yet shepherds and sheep and lambs come up time and time and time again. You go back to some of the most famous people in the Bible. Abraham, who at the time was just Abram was a shepherd before this whole story started. Uh, Moses was a shepherd for his father-in-law for many years before kind of going through the whole Exodus thing. Uh, of course, David, he came onto the scene as a shepherd who took down Goliath and, of course, eventually became the king and, and wrote most of the Psalms, wrote Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. He would know, right? Uh, we see in the Christmas story that, that, that angels appear to the shepherds. Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. So what's the deal with shepherds? Why are they so crucial? Why do they keep going back to this illustration? I think it's important for us to get ourselves into their sandals. Here are some things that, you know, based upon scripture, based upon outside sources that I would suppose shepherds felt. First, shepherds perhaps felt unworthy. They felt unworthy because shepherds, by the very nature of their job, they were nomadic. They did not get to live in the city center. They didn't get to, to hang out with their friends. They were kind of out on their own, right? This was a time where there wasn't private land. This wasn't, oh, these are my fields. They just kind of roamed about out in the fields. And oftentimes, shepherds would have to get together with other shepherds. Uh, that was kind of the way that they got together. More on that later. But they perhaps felt unworthy because they were in many ways, outcasts. In fact, depending on where you read, um, and I had a hard time nailing down whether this is true or not, but I saw multiple sources that said shepherds were considered unclean. Now, of course, we know, like, literally they were unclean because spent all their time with sheep, and so they probably had a bit of a, an odor to them, uh, but they were, in terms of Jewish faith, considered unclean. Well, it makes sense, right? Because if you're tending to a flock of sheep, you can't just take off and go to the temple. You can't take part in the sacrifice in their holy place. And so perhaps they felt unworthy. They, they were not considered an honored profession by any means. 
in fact, the religious people, the religious elite wouldn't even really approach a shepherd. And so this idea of unworthiness starts to enter in, and, and perhaps you resonate with that. You, you know about your own life. You know what's happened in your past, and you feel like you just don't belong here. You know about what you've been through. You know, you know what you should do, and you know what you shouldn't do, and yet you always are doing the opposite. And you sit here in church on Sunday morning, you, you tune in online, and you're looking around and you're saying, I don't belong here. Maybe you're a parent, and just this morning, you were this close to committing a murder. If only your arm was a little bit longer on the drive here. Yeah, I was the kid on the other end of that. I'm like, whoa, whoa, right? And you're like sitting there going, I was just yelling at my kid, and now I'm sitting here, and we're singing about grace, and, and he's talking about Mother's Day, and I, I'm not worthy to be here. Maybe you look back in your life, and you see those mistakes, you see those issues, and, and you say, I just... Maybe this isn't for me. Shepherds perhaps also felt inadequate. See, shepherds weren't a terribly educated position, and it doesn't seem like they would have been educated at all other than how to be a shepherd. It was a job that was typically reserved for a hired hand, usually an unmarried young man. And if it was somebody from within the family, typically it was a job that would go to the youngest son. Because the oldest son had the birthright. They were the ones who were going to continue on the family line, right? And then the next son was kind of the next in line. So by the time you got to the youngest son, it's like, yeah, we don't really need you. So like, go hang out with the sheep in the fields, right? They, they perhaps felt inadequate. And in fact, when you look at, at, at religion, when you look at the 613 laws that the Pharisees and the Sadducees had created, the shepherds couldn't keep them. Because one of the big ones... Right there in the Ten Commandments is honor the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, right? Which means taking a day off of work. Now, I don't know how many of you know much about sheep, but you can't be like, hey, guys, I need to honor the Sabbath day, so you're going to stay put, right? And the sheep are like, yep, it's cool. You go do your religious freedom thing. We're going to chill here. We'll be here when you come back. We promise. It'll be, we're definitely not running away and jumping over that fence. Definitely not. And then, of course, there's the predators you have to consider, right? They don't get to take a Sabbath day. And so in the eyes of the religious leaders, they were breaking one of the Ten Commandments. It was impossible for them to achieve this, this view within religion. So perhaps they felt inadequate. Maybe you're sitting here today and you feel that way. You look at all the people around you. Again, Mother's Day, maybe you're looking at the other moms and their posts on Facebook and they're like, they're homeschooling their kids and they're making the perfect lunch and you're like, man, if I get a Lunchable out the door, I'm having a good day. Like, you're looking and you see their clean house, you look at, at the, the job that they have, you look at the family that they have, you, you look, maybe you look back at your own kids and you're like, man, where did I go wrong? And you're thinking, I just feel inadequate. Maybe it's a financial burden. You're thinking, I should be further along. There should be more money in savings. I really shouldn't be going by paycheck to paycheck. Maybe you're looking at your house. You're looking at your car. You're looking at whatever it is, and you're saying, I'm just not measuring up. I just feel not good enough. That inadequacy, maybe spiritually, 
you feel inadequate. You go and you sit in Bible study and people are rattling off things left and right and you're like, I, I don't That's from the Bible, right? And they're saying, you know, well, if you consult you know, Paul's letter to the amphibians and second opinions and all these things, and you're like, I, that's in the Bible? I don't know, maybe, I don't know. And you just don't feel, they pray and you feel like God's like, just put the words in their mouth and you're just like, ah, God, bless this food. You know, like you, you just don't have this, this eloquent phraseology and you feel inadequate. You just feel you don't measure up. And then the last thing that shepherds probably felt was unloved. Again, they didn't get to be part of the city. They didn't get to be part of their family even. They were nomadic. They spent their time out in the field. The only people that they had to talk to were the sheep and the other shepherds. They probably, speaking of inadequate, were a bit socially inadequate, right? If you had to quarantine during COVID, after those two weeks you came here, you're like, what's a human? How do I, how do I talk to a person, you know? I've actually found after COVID, um, I picked up a really bad habit in the grocery store of talking to myself. When you're wearing a mask, that's not a problem. Nobody can see that your mouth is moving. But now it's like, is that guy crazy a little bit? Yeah. And I'm going, am I crazy? I probably should stop doing this. We have this thing that people kind of look at us differently. Maybe, maybe you have issues in your life where your family turned their back on you. Or friends turned their back on you. They were so close. Everything was going so well. And then suddenly just nothing or you had a spouse leave you. And you're saying, well, if they can't love me, and I certainly don't love myself, how can I expect God to love me? And you feel unloved, unwelcomed, unwanted. Maybe now you're starting to go, maybe I do relate a bit more to the shepherds. Because within each and every one of us are some level of these feelings. But if you go to the Christmas story as the angels appeared to those shepherds sitting out in the field, because that's a thing, by the way, that was happening. Shepherds, they were on their own with just their flock. And what they actually found historically is that shepherds were combining their flocks. They would come together with other shepherds and have their two flocks become one and just kind of hang out together, strength in numbers. And let me tell you something, that's what's happening in the world too. People who feel unloved and unwelcomed by the church, they still want and need community. They still are looking for acceptance. And because we have cast them to the side, because we have judged them, they're going to find that community somewhere else because they need it, they desire that, and we're just keeping them away. It's interesting because oftentimes I've heard God as like the God of second chances, the God of the outcasts, of the misfits. And my thought on that is if, if God loves the ones that we consider to be unlovable, um, I'm gonna guess it's probably not God who's wrong, but us. If we're judging people that God doesn't judge, if we're condemning people who God offers forgiveness and grace and love to, we see this in the ministry of Jesus constantly. As the church, we are broken because this should be where the shepherds of the world find community. But as we go back to that story of Christmas, as those shepherds gathered together in their own community with their, their friends, the sheep around, the angels appear. And what do they say? Do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't, don't feel all these feelings. Don't be afraid because I have what? Good news. 
today in the town of David. David, by the way, a shepherd that they all would have been aware of. They're like, oh yeah, that's like our hero. That's the guy who stopped being a shepherd and became a king who people refer to God of David, right? He's kind of an important guy. He's who we aspire to be. He says, in, in today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. So the question is this, what is that good news? I have good news for you. What is that good news? Romans chapter 3, beginning with verse 20. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. In other words, those shepherds that couldn't hold the Sabbath, they need not worry because you can't attain righteousness by the law. You sitting here with mistakes in your life, with, with errors in your life, mistakes even right now, you can't attain righteousness by the law. No, the law merely exists to show us our sin. Without knowing about our sin, we don't need a savior, right? And so we see our shortcomings. Here's how it continues on. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. In other words, it doesn't matter how much of a sinner you are, what particular sins, because what we do in the church is we draw a line that's like just behind us. Like, I, I've not done all those sins behind me. I got some sins in front of me, but those, those are forgivable. But those other ones... Those are the bad ones. Those are the ones that we can't accept. As long as I don't do those, those are the ones that I will condemn. Sin is sin. Sinners are sinners. And here's how it continues. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. Your sin that makes you feel an outcast, that makes you feel unloved, inadequate, unworthy. That sin is washed away just as we see in that Revelation reading where, where they were wearing white robes made clean through the blood of the Lamb. Help illustrate this for you. So when I, uh, and perhaps I've shared this story, and if I have, do me a favor and act like you've never heard it before. Because um, I can't remember, maybe if I can't remember, neither can you. Uh, when Earlier on in my life, Cassie and I got the opportunity to go to Ireland. And when we were there, just an amazing place. You get the chance to go, please check it out. Uh, but we found ourselves on the west coast of Ireland visiting a place called the Cliffs of Moher. No relation, spelled differently, but uh, it almost was ironic. Because the Cliffs of Moher, if you've never seen them, are basically, it's like where Ireland stops and just drops into the North Atlantic Ocean. It's like a 600, 700 foot drop, right? And you get there and the Board of Tourism, they've done a great job of building, they got like a little gift shop and a cafe. They've got all these nice paved paths and little you know, binoculars you can look through, put a Euro in or whatever. And you know, oh, look how beautiful, right? And it's really well, well maintained. And so we went and it was, a, it was a cold and windy, rainy day as pretty much every day is in Ireland. Um, and we're walking along and we're enjoying ourselves. Well, eventually you reach the edge of the, uh, the tourist park. And there's a little gate there, and the gate is, you know, it's locked, but it has all these signs all over it that say, don't go past this point. If you go past this point, we hold no liability. Like, this is, this is on you. It's dangerous beyond here. But I, I'm looking, and I'm like, well, other people have gone. You can, like, so many people had gone, you can see the footpath on the other side of this gate. And I was like, what? I want to go to the edge. Because, like, the little paved path is 15 feet from the edge, you know, something reasonably safe, Right? 
No, that's for crazy people. So I went around the gate like so many others had, and we spent a good time on the other side looking around. I actually got some pictures of uh, what it looked like there. Um, yeah, it's just as steep as that. Yep. Uh, and so we're going and we're, we're walking around and, and taking pictures. And, and towards, towards the end, as we're about to head back, um, I say to myself, as I walk right up to the edge, now would be a terrible time to fall. And it's at that moment that my foot started to slip in the mud and, uh, and slid out far underneath me. I'm, I'm not kidding. I was like a foot from the edge. Luckily, uh, I grew up as a surfer, and so I know how to fall. And so I just, I kicked my legs out from underneath me and let my, the bulk of my body land on the land. I actually got another picture here to kind of give an idea of uh, how close we were. Would not recommend, not terribly safe. Um, but I fell. And I'm there on the edge, my death, right there. And Cassie was staying next to me and just basically dove on top of me and made me army crawl away from the edge. Uh, and so I was just covered and head to toe in mud, just covered and, and like, you know, when you almost die, how you laugh. I, I couldn't stop laughing for like five minutes. Um, Cassie was not laughing. No, she was not laughing. So uh, then we said, okay, well, I need to get changed out of my muddy clothes. And so I w luckily we had our luggage. I went and got my clothes, and I went into the gift shop to get changed. Now, remember, where you're supposed to be is paved with fences, and I'm covered in mud. And people are like, where did you go and what did you do? And so basically I'm, I'm wearing my iniquity, right? Like it is as obvious as everything. Like I broke the rules, hi, how's everybody doing? As I walk through, left muddy footprints through and I, I made it into the bathroom and I changed into my nice clean clothes. And, and when I walked out, nobody was looking at me anymore, but I still, I still felt dirty. Because like I hadn't showered, right? I still had nasty cliffs of more mud on me. But because I was wearing a jacket, you couldn't tell. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're really good about putting on a facade, about putting on the clean clothes, but, but as you sit here even today, you just feel dirty. You feel like you, you don't belong here. You know the rules that you've broken. You know how you've, you've cheated death. You know how you've had these things in your past, and you don't feel like you belong. My friends, in Christ you are washed clean. Through Jesus Christ, you are forgiven completely. You're not sitting here dirty. You are sitting here as a forgiven and beloved child of God. You are sitting here as washed and made new, just as we saw in that book of Revelation where it talks about how they're wearing gleaming white robes. You are forgiven and made new. You are loved to your very core, God knows everything about you. You're not hiding it from him. It's not that he doesn't see it and you're afraid that if God finds out, boy, I'm really up a creek. No, God knows and yet he still loves you. He still has compassion for you. He still has empathy for you. He doesn't look at you and say you're unworthy or you're inadequate or you are unloved. It's just the opposite. He says, you are my precious child. I made you to be exactly who you are. Yes, you have sin in your life. You have mistakes, but that doesn't change my love for you. So my friends, my brothers and sisters in Christ watching online as well, I pray that you know that the good shepherd is with you, that he's protecting you, that he is our Emmanuel, God with us. He's there in the field with us. He walked on this earth. He saw how difficult it is to live in a broken world. He did it perfectly, but then doesn't judge those who aren't. I pray that you know that our good shepherd 
will protect you, will guide you, and that you can have the strength and the courage, the trust to follow. Know this. You are not unworthy. You are not inadequate. And you certainly are not unloved. God loves you. Nothing's going to change that. Amen.